Ready to study the scriptures? All right, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. And if you'd turn to two different passages, also James 1.17. So put your finger in James 1.17 and then go over to Luke 11. All right? James 1.17 and Luke 11. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that the entrance of it gives light to our minds, our hearts, our souls. We pray that you would reveal yourself to us as we read the scriptures, as we share them together. Um, Would you help us to see what you want us to see and then to be the people you want us to be. Transform us, we pray. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you know, we've been on a series called NUMA. This is really the final uh, installment of this series, the series, the talking about the mystery of the Holy Spirit. And this has been such a good series. I've really enjoyed this series. Uh, I didn't anticipate enjoying it as much as I have. In fact, we extended it a little bit because the Holy Spirit as a person, relation, in relationship with each one of us, the Holy Spirit as the representative from God on the earth, His presence, His power uh, among us, there was just, uh, there's just no way to do it in a couple of sermons. And, um, and so I really enjoyed it, and I think it has really caused our, our church, each one of us, to be more aware, to be more willing to surrender, uh, not to be standoffish towards the Holy Spirit, not to be fearful about His work in our lives, but to be open to Him. And this morning, I want to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about the fruit. We've talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the voice of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, finally, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit And I really believe that this is, in a way, a fitting conclusion to our series. Because if there's one message that I want you to get as a result of us studying the Holy Spirit, it is that He is a gift to us and that He gives us great gifts. He gives us incredible gifts. And so let's read a couple of passages here. Luke chapter 11, verse 11. It says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? It seems a little silly, doesn't it? Like, my wife is so fearful of scorpions. She is so afraid that we're going to find one in our house. Have we ever found one in our house in the 18 months that we've lived in Austin? No. But she lives in in daily fear. <laughs> this passage says, if your son asks you for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? No, that's silly. Verse 13, if you then, though you are evil, thank you, Jesus, just encouraging us there. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If you know how to give good gifts to your kids, the Holy Spirit is infinitely wiser, infinitely better at giving us gifts. There's nothing I love better than giving my kids gifts. I have five children, 
and now the oldest are just about to turn 17 and 15. I have a 12-year-old girl, and then I have two little guys on the way, way on the backside, six and four right now. And they are so much fun to give gifts to. The teenagers, not so much anymore. I don't know what that is. I don't know how that works, but here you go. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> but my little kids, I, the other day we bought them a little video, um, let's see, a, a video game, right? And um, it was on sale, and it was Batman Legos characters, Lego Batman characters, uh, and so it's a little cartoon, and I brought it home, and they were, they were so anticipating. They were just so uh, in awe of this gift that I brought home. I came in, I came around the corner, and I, I had it in a bag, and they were like, where is it? And then I pulled it out of the bag slowly, and then they're like, yes, yes. And then I gave it, and my six-year-old, Ethan, he took it in his hands, and he put it over his head, and he went, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? This is so weird. But he, they, they love getting gifts. And frankly, as soon as he did that, what happened to me? Daddy's heart just enjoyed the whole thing, laughed with him, loved it. It's just so wonderful. Listen, God's gifts for us are so much better than any gift we could ever come up with, even for our own kids. Think about that for a second. Any gift you could come up with your, for your own kids. What this verse is saying is, this is infinitely better. If you turn over to James 1, 17, it says, that scripture, if you're there, says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always been a good gift giver. He's always been a good gift giver. That's what this says. And I think it's important to identify this, that fathers and children... Fathers giving their children gifts, it, there's something there that is significant, I think, for us. And when we give one another gifts at Christmas time or at other times of the year or birthdays, I think it's a, it's a unique idea that a gift is not a reward for just good behavior. We're not, just, we're not talking about just good behavior. In fact, the, your, the gift from the, your, your Heavenly Father, he, he doesn't give you what you deserve. <laughs> it's a wonderful... We deserve so much worse than what he's given us. And yet he has saved us, rescued us, filled us with his life and his love. There is something so amazing about this. It's not reward for good behavior, but a sign of relationship. It's a sign of, of your relationship with God, how much he loves you. When I bring that video game home for my kids, it's a sign I'm in relationship with them. I bring it home because I know they're going to want it. I know they're going to love it. Something so important about seeing that. And I'm not just talking about seeking after gifts here, the manifestations of God. When you talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, some of us conjure up ideas about different manifestations. I'm, I'm talking about really understanding the gift giver. I'm talking about really seeking the gift giver because he is so good to us. But it's important for us to identify some of the gifts that he gives. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is the gift and the one who shares with us all of the good gifts of God. 
And I want you to get that because the Holy Spirit is a good gift, but he in turn is the one, the person of the Trinity that shares with us every good gift that God has for us. He's the, he's the, he's the deliverer of good gifts to us. That's why we call them the gifts of the Spirit. Now I have a gift here this morning that I would like to give to someone. There's a gift here in this little envelope, and I just, I, I, I want to give it away. Who would like a gift from Pastor Ross? Yeah? Yeah? Any, any, anybody, anybody else want a gift? I mean, that was only like half the hands. It's like, so what is the, what is the other half thinking? Aaron, I want you to come up here. I, I, I'm going to give it to you. Come on up. Yeah, come on. All right, yeah, come on. I want to give you this gift, and I want you to open it right here in front of everybody. Okay, wouldn't that be fun? That's cool. That's, oh, isn't that sweet? Yeah, so nice. What is it? What is it? Wow. Oh, tell them what it is. It's a Whole Foods gift card for $100. <laughs> That is awesome. Go buy, your, uh, <laughs> go buy, go buy yourselves a, a couple loaves of bread. Yeah. <laughs> now, there was something really good about that interaction right there, and it's an illustration of what I want you to see. Now, let's think, about, think about it. I said, I want to give a gift. Responses to me giving the gift away varied in this room from he's not really going to give anything big. It's really not going to be that big of a deal to I don't really need this, right? Some of you are like, I don't, I don't really need, <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Um, some of you are like, I'd like to get a gift from Pastor Ross, but I don't really want to go up anywhere and be in front of people. I'm too embarrassed to try and go get the gift. And others of you are like, whatever, I'm hungry. How long is this going to last? <laughs> now, I tend to think that many of our own responses are just like that to the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give. Some of us are like, eh, it's not really not that big of a deal. I don't really need all that. Some of, some of you are like, I really am interested, but I'm too embarrassed to try. I'm kind of afraid of what it means. Um, some of you are like, whatever, I'm hungry. But I, I think it's important for us to identify the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to be excited about what he wants to give us. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts. This is one of the main passages in the scriptures, in the New Testament scriptures, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's a, a discourse with the Apostle Paul. He spends several chapters here, and he's talking about how to treat one another when you get together in a service and how, how you interact with one another. And he comes to this part in the discussion, and uh, we're going to kind of read through it and just talk about different elements of it. So I want you to get your Bible out, and I want you to get a, a pen and a paper, and let's write some notes together, all right? So here, here it is, verse 1 of chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. 
In other words, I don't want you to be unaware. You know, one of the important things here is that we're highlighting it so that we won't be unaware of what God wants to give us. He says, verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led away to mute idols. I want you to underline those two words, mute idols. It's a significant little idea there because of what the Apostle Paul was communicating to these people in the Corinthian church. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit. Now, the terminology here as we enter into this dialogue suggests that he's responding to questions from them. All right? He's responding to some questions. Paul is establishing here at this part of the discussion, a criteria for evaluating what is the Holy Spirit's work and what's uh, something else. That's really what he's doing. In fact, the context here, he's talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit from the angle that these guys in the Corinthian church were pretty excited about spiritual gifts. And, but, but they were really zeroed in on one big gift, that they were super pumped about. They just thought it was awesome. It was so cool. They were just doing it all the time. It was the gift of speaking in tongues. And so they're going nuts every service. They're speaking in tongues, and it's just so awesome. They're enjoying it themselves. But this is the Apostle Paul, and he's giving them his understanding of spiritual gifts, and he's coaching them and training them on how spiritual gifts should function within their services and within their lives. So here he's, he's beginning to contrast two ideas. Now, he, he references mute idols and he references pagans. In the Mediterranean uh, experience, or the, the pagan experiences of Mediterranean people, during this time, you would have heard ex- what we would call ecstatic speech and religious experiences. Ecstatic speech that would be similar to what they would maybe have experienced or, or thought was similar to um, what they were experiencing in speaking in tongues. But he's contrasting this extraordinary supernatural experience that happens in pagan religions with the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in the church. And then he says, he communicates it by saying, look, there's two different things going on here. One has to do with mute idols. So he's kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of punching it. He's kind of, he's, he's, he's kind of insulting with his own irony. You guys are talking a lot for serving some mute idols. You know, in your pagan experience, don't get, don't get hung up on that. Don't get carried away with all that kind of thing. That's how you used to act when you served pagan mute idols. And then he says, what's really happening here is the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to you. The living God actually does speak. And he's speaking through you and to you. And, what, and so then he leads them to understand anybody who's involved in a religious experience never says, Jesus be cursed. He never brings shame upon the name of Jesus. Never curses the name of Jesus. Jesus is sacred here, and he's making the point. The Holy Spirit empowers those who proclaim that Jesus is Lord. But here's what he says. If a religious experience does not honor Jesus as Lord, then it is not from the Holy Spirit. It's a big idea. 
no matter what our religious experiences are, if they do not honor Jesus Christ as Lord, if they do not promote him as Lord, as center, central to the gospel message, then it is not a Holy Spirit experience. If it exalts anything else, anybody else, whether it be another person, whether it be your own, yourself, whether it be a, a special gift of some kind, if it doesn't exalt Jesus, if it doesn't help people point people to Jesus, it is not a Holy Spirit experience. And I think it's interesting to extrapolate from this the meaning that lordship of, the Lordship of Christ happens in our lives, you and me. We make Him Lord of our lives only by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit facilitates that process. That's the only way we get the power and the wisdom and the grace and the mercy to make Him Lord is through the Spirit of God, Him working in our lives. So let's continue reading here, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. I want you to circle three little words here in this passage. Different kinds of gifts, you can circle that word, different, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, circle that word, service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, you can circle that word, but the same God works all of them in all men. If you look at the meaning of those words, you see gifts. These gifts that God is giving, it, these are the internal workings that go on inside of a believer. That's what he's talking about there. Something's happening inside of a person by the Spirit. Those gifts are deposited inside of you. He's going to name them here in a second. But then he says different kinds of service. You'd think that he's just restating three different things, but he's not. He's talking about gifts being this internal motivation. And he says, but that comes from the same spirit. We all drink from that same spirit. Verse 5 says there are different kinds of service, and service is the actual outworking, the demonstration of those gifts, the gifts actually happening in and amongst the body of believers. And then he says, but the same Lord. He's not just restating the same idea. He's, he's building upon it. And then verse 6 says, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. And working almost has a, it has a meaning that means there's a result. It's the, it's the effect of what happens. It's beyond the demonstration. It's the effect of what God is making happen inside of a per, another person's life. So what it's, he's saying is you've got gifts, you've got the demonstration, and then, but you've got to trust that God is working it the only way that he knows and can and, and, and the only way that we can trust that it's actually happening is by God's power. We don't do our thing and then expect that we can just make it happen ourselves. We are enthused by the Holy Spirit. We are motivated by the Holy Spirit. We demonstrate his gifts among, amongst uh, the body of believers. And then what happens is God works his will and his way and his plan. So really, I think an important uh, way to see it that it's not just all about us. It's not just all about the thing that he gives us. He's engaged in it. He's involved in the process. I think it's important to see this in verse 6, that the same God works all of them in all men. Every Christian, no matter what demographic, social status, gender, or background, has a gift from the Spirit. 
You have a gift. Every person has some gifts of the Spirit, a, a spiritual gift that you are given. The Holy Spirit spoke about this 800 years before this was written in the, prophet, in the book of the prophet Joel when he said, I will pour out my Spirit on your sons and your daughters. Old men, young men, women and men will prophesy. They will dream dreams. They will have visions. There's, the Spirit of God is going to be poured out and is going to empower people to do what I want them to do. And he's not, he's not any respecter of persons. He doesn't withhold it. He doesn't reserve it for the specially talented. He doesn't reserve the gifts of the Spirit for the pastors. The pastors are not the ones who get the gifts. The pastors are the ones who are supposed to equip and empower and release the gifts. Do you, do you understand that? That's my view of what church is. Church is not me dispensing all the pearls of wisdom. You getting all your information from me here sitting on this stool in a dark, dreary movie theater. That is not the sum total of church. The, the idea of church is that each one of us have a gift from the Holy Spirit. And our mission is accomplished when we will use them with one another and outside of this room, outside of these walls, in our daily lives, allowing the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate within us. That is what church is about. It's about you understanding you have a gift. My job as a pastor is to make sure you know what those are and that you're walking in them, you're being trained in them, you're being encouraged in them, and then you're being released in them. That's my role. I'm not any more important than you in the body of Christ. I just have a different role. Do you understand that? We tend to say that the public roles are more important than the private roles. In fact, the Apostle Paul gets to that here in just a moment, and we'll talk about that. Let's keep reading in verse 7. He says, Now, to each one, oh, important word, important words there, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Notice that the Spirit is given for the common good, the good of all, not just the good of one. It's not just about you having a gift and enjoying it. It's not just about you being filled with the Spirit and then having a gift that you can really feel great about helping somebody else. You know, that is the weakness of the whole idea of serving the poor and helping people in need when it's just about the fulfillment that I get out of it. We've got a lot of people helping people with that as the chief goal. And that becomes empty. It only lasts so long. The reason, it's, the reason it only lasts so long, the reason it gets so frustrating when you continue to serve and you continue to care for people in need and you're doing it because it's something that really, you know, it's right, you need to do it, it makes you feel better, what happens is there's never an end to the poor people. There's never an end to the needy people. It's a line that stretches around the globe. It's never ending. Like Jesus said, you'll always have poor people with you. When they were upset about him, about him uh, some woman wasting perfume that could have been sold and given, to, given the proceeds given to poor people, he said, you'll always have poor people. Listen, the, the, it's so endless that if you're doing it for your own fulfillment, it gets discouraging because you can't ever finish it, can't ever be done. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are supernatural. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are something that as you use them, they begin to benefit everyone around you. 
As you begin to use them, it's not just about you. It's about the other people that you're serving. And you're realizing that the Holy Spirit is meeting their needs even beyond your own ability. (gasps) Think about that. Think about the way that you could be used by the Holy Spirit, that he can use you and go beyond what you're actually capable of. That's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's read them. Here he says, for the co- you're, you're, there's to be used for the common good. To one there is given through, through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of that same Spirit. Those two gifts often work together. Wisdom comes from, uh, uh, from, uh, from God through a person as you're facing a diff- difficult situation. Decision-making, understanding what you should do. Knowledge that comes from uh, the Spirit comes through a person to receive supernatural understanding about something that's going on in your life. You might have a word of knowledge about somebody else that you wouldn't have known any other way, and the Spirit speaks it to you. He says, uh, he's saying here, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit. I love the, the idea of faith. This is not, we're not just talking about faith in Jesus here. This is something beyond that. This is a a gift of faith for something supernatural, for something that's going to happen. I believe God's given me the gift of faith in regards to leading one chapel. I believe that God is going to do something supernatural in people's lives, that we're going to affect this city for his kingdom, that we're going to grow, we're going to mature, we're going to continue to be a healthy group of believers that are going to spread out through this city, and we're going to make a difference in this city. I just have faith for it. I believe it. I already see it beyond where we are. This whole idea of the location and where we're going to meet, I already see us meeting somewhere else. I already anticipate it. I can see it happening, and I know it's going to be a stretch, but the gift of faith is in me. I can feel it. I can feel it being stirred up. To another, the gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Until still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. What you've got to settle is that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to each one of us. The diversity of our gifts should never threaten the unity of, our, of the Spirit of God among us. I want you to think about that. The diversity of our gifts. We shouldn't compare ourselves to one another and say, oh, he's got a really good gift and I don't have a really good gift. I wish I had that gift. Oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do this. Look, b- bottom line is when you have the Holy Spirit resident in you, when you're baptized by him, you can function in any gift that you need to at any moment. But there are natural gifts that he's going to give you based on who you are and how he made you. And he's going to let that gift be the primary gifts that are functioning in your life and it's foolishness for us to look at one another and compare ourselves to each other and to get all bent out of shape over it that actually has the the opposite effect in fact this passage is in response to a group of people thinking that speaking in tongues was like the awesome gift yeah this is if you're really spiritual then you speak in tongues can i just tell you that that is not true i know a bunch of people who speak in tongues and they don't sometimes always live like they should (laughs) Okay, speaking in tongues is not the most awesome gift. There's, there's no reason for, the, in fact, the Apostle Paul says, look, I want prophecy to be the gift that you guys all strive for because prophecy is speaking the words of God. 
Prophecy is speaking the understandable ideas of God and making sure that people know and understand what it is, all right? I'm not minimizing the gift of speaking in tongues. I, the Apostle Paul says in here, I want everybody to speak in tongues. I personally believe that everybody has a prayer language, but the gift of speaking in tongues, I tend to qualify it as different. We talked about that a few weeks ago. You can go back and listen to that podcast if you want to understand that. But I believe here that we're, we're all given these gifts. If you remember the Chicago Bulls, do you remember the Chicago Bulls of the 90s? Is anybody old enough to remember that? I love the Chicago Bulls of the 90s, Michael Jordan. And there was a whole team of people that won six championships. Six. There was a guy on that team who came off the bench. And he won three rings with, with one of those teams. Three rings. Three seasons. His name was Jed Bushler. Anybody heard of Jed Bushler? Two. That's nice. Everybody knows who Michael Jordan is? Why? He was a superstar. Relatively few people know who Jed Bushler is because he was an awkward white guy who sat on the bench. But he came in at strategic points in the game, put his body on the floor, and started playing defense like nobody's business. He'd get rebounds. He would make sure that he provided energy to the team. Now, wouldn't it have been silly for Jed Bushler to complain to the media after any number of games and say, I don't know why I don't get the last second shot. I don't know why nobody's passing me the ball. I should be making that shot. Everybody would have laughed at him. Everybody, it was just silly. It's stupid. He, now, the, the, the question is, was he a valuable member of that team? Yes, he was. Did he win three rings? Yes, he did. He knew his place on that team, and because he knew his place, and because he embraced it, and because he participated, and because he valued it, and because others valued it, they won championships together. It's very similar in the body of Christ. We've got to understand who we are. We shouldn't compare our gifts with one another. We shouldn't get all bent out of shape. There's no gift makes you more spiritual than another. No gift makes you more spiritual than another. You may be better at some things. You may have a different gift than other people, but we shouldn't get hung up on it. Now, notice what he says here at the end of this chapter. If you go down to verse 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? He's making a point here. What's the answer? No. No. And then he's saying, I want you to eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, a couple of ideas here that I think are important. When he says eagerly desire the greater gifts, there's some discussion about that among Bible scholars, but I think it's referencing back to verse 24. Notice verse 24, it says, But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. I think he's reflecting back to his argument, and he's saying, Look, there's some of you, and you've got gifts that aren't seen. Some of you, but they're very important gifts because they're internal. And I want you to desire these kinds of things. I want you to desire those gifts because I don't want divisions in the body. I want you to value them all. And then he proceeds into 
1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. It's all about love because he wants to make sure that these gifts and the way that we're working gifts, the way that gifts are happening among us, that they are motivated by one thing, and that is love. Love. Once again, I want you to see the power of the idea that the Holy Spirit is all about others. It is, he is all about how we treat one another. He is all about empowering us to serve and to love one another. His role in giving us gifts is not so that we'll feel good. It is so that others will be served, so that others will be embraced, so that others will be loved, so that we will be the body of Christ that is maturing. Listen, it's so important for you to understand this. We don't need to suffer, any of us, none of us need to suffer from our greatest weaknesses as people. You know why? Because there are other people in this body of Christ. We can all benefit from the strengths of others. The power of the body of Christ is that we rely on one another. Isn't it interesting that he gives us all these gifts, but he doesn't give us all one gift. He gives us multiple gifts, and then he forces us to rely on each other. He forces us, to, he creates a situation where we must rely on one another, where we must value one another, where we must participate with one another in the body of Christ in order for us to become all that he wants us to be. This is the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want you to write down two other passages that we don't have time to read now because this is not an exhaustive list of gifts. I want you to write down Romans 12, 3 through 8. Romans 12, 3 through 8. Also Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. You can write those down. We'll look at them later. You can look at them later. <laughs> I will look at them later, but so can you. Now some people have said, now you can have all those gifts. Those are all for strange people. I'll take the fruit. I really, I just, I'm concerned about the fruit. There's been a lot of emphasis on the fruit, little emphasis on the gifts. Here's the problem. It's wonderful to love another person and see the fruit of the Spirit at working in your life, but I think the power to love them, the power comes in the gifts. The power to do something for another person comes by the Spirit of God. It's good to love people in need, but it's even better to help them by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God to do something that serves other people. Now, here's a little bit of warning. Gifts flow through people. Gifts flow through people. Gifts are perfect. People are not. Okay? Understand that. Understand that. Gifts are perfect. People are not. They won't always do it just like you think they should. And here's the thing. What I want to encourage you is don't chase after people with, the, with great gifts. Don't chase after the gift. Chase after the people. Look for people who have character and fruit. Don't just be a gift watcher. Watch how people treat God's word. Remember, Christians don't follow signs. Signs follow Christians. So how do I receive spiritual gifts? Very easy. You accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. You accept Christ. You acquire faith and truth in the area of spiritual gifts. You, you study them. You apply yourself to learning about spiritual gifts. You ask for the Lord to give you spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong with asking the Lord to give you certain gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. 
Verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 of that passage we were just looking at says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And he begins to coach them on this whole issue that they're dealing with between tongues and prophecy in the Corinthian church. But listen, it is not wrong to ask and to eagerly desire to seek the Lord to give you gifts so that you can serve other people. All of us should know what our gifts are, and so I'm going to, you guys, leave, the, leave those four up there so people can write them down. Uh, but I want to I encourage you, every one of you, to find out what your gifts are. There's a really, we're, we're going to develop more and more ways for that to happen within our body. But this morning, I want to steer you to a, a really cool site called spiritualgiftstest.com. Spiritualgiftstest.com. It's a really cool place. I want all of you to go there and just, it's very simple. You take a little test, you take a little questionnaire, and it kind of helps you. It defines some of the spiritual gifts that you may have. You can look at it. You can evaluate it. Get together and talk to somebody else that you know about the, the, the top three that they identify in your life. It's a really good thing for you to do to begin to understand what the Holy Spirit has given you. Everything he's got for you is good. Everything he has for you is so wonderful. And you need to embrace it and you need to actively seek it out. Seek him. Seek the, the, the one who is the gift giver and then receive everything that he's got for you. Okay? Spiritualgiftstest.com All right? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for how you give us such good gifts, how you, you just give us good things. We're reminded of that this morning. <sighs> Help us not to be resistant in any way. Help us not to put any barriers in place that would keep you from just pouring out your spirit in our lives. Lord, we want you to remove every barrier every issue in our hearts that keeps you at a arm's length, every fear that might keep the Holy Spirit from actively engaging with us. We want to recognize the Holy Spirit's role in us. We want to receive the gifts He has. So all across this room, we receive. All across this room, we just say yes to whatever you have for us. Yes, Lord. Yes, Holy Spirit. Not necessarily the things that we're talented at or the things that we kind of have a natural affinity for, but the gift that you want to give us to serve, to love, to share with us.